Making Outdoors Great Again, a bipartisan bill passed to improve our parks nationwide. Amy Lindholm from the Appalachian Mountain Club joins us. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, audience. I hope you're having a great week. Today, we're going to be talking about the Great American Outdoors Act, which was uh, semi-recently signed by President Trump on August 4th, but it took many, many years to get to his desk. And uh, to explain that journey and the importance of it, uh, we're joined by Amy Lindholm. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you know, I received your press release via email and it jumped out at me right away because I was uh, I was recently reminded how important parks are for everybody. And so, you know, I live in Southern California and, uh, you know, during the early days of the pandemic, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, you know, the the uh, beaches and the uh, local and state parks were closed down. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty, pretty stark reminder of how important they were. You know, I didn't realize how much of a refuge they were until I didn't have access to them. You know, I like to, to run and hike. And, uh, you know, that little escape kind of helps me get a better perspective. So I was really happy when we got the access back to him. But uh, anyway, I wanted to uh, ask you a personal question before we get started. You know, you've uh, you've dedicated your life to advocating for parks and open space. But, uh, you know, why are they so meaningful to you? Well, you mentioned in the pandemic how how much people have come to, you know, see how they value parks. And that's been true across the board. And even as we got that access back, we've really seen a lot of overuse of of popular places uh, across the country and more developed places where we can see that there's more green space that's really needed. I grew up outside the Boston area and really saw a transformation in that landscape over my lifetime. I grew up running around in the forest behind my house and um, and all behind my friends' houses. And, and as I came to be an adult, uh, that forest gradually shrunk more and more as the town became more developed. And it really showed me that if we want to have the same opportunities going forward and give our children the same opportunities that we had, it's so important for investment in parks and open space to keep balance with kind of the relentless pace of development across the country. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I think it's really important to have those open space areas, especially in densely packed urban areas. So Amy, I want to ask you about uh, your involvement with the Appalachian Mountain Club. Uh, You know, tell us about the kind of work you do there. Yeah, so the Appalachian Mountain Club is actually America's oldest conservation organization, founded in 1876. So we do a lot of different types of work. We have a really robust eco-lodging operation. We do tons of outdoor programming, take people on hikes. We do outdoor leadership skills training, lots of trail work. We maintain about a th- about 350 miles of the Appalachian Trail between Pennsylvania and Maine. And we do a lot of conservation policy work like what I do, um, which is uh, to increase funding for, for that really critical open space, um, parks, trails, forests across the country. Um, we you know, deeply understand the landscape in the Northeast, but we work with a national coalition, the Land and Water Conservation Fund Coalition, to advance those goals nationwide. And, and we've been working for you know, 10 solid years through myself, and then actually before that, on full permanent funding of the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is part of what just passed in the Great American Outdoors Act. So we could not be more thrilled. It's kind of the holy grail of the conservation community that folks have been working for for many, many years. Well, tell us about that. Now, as I understand it, over time since its inception, that some of that funding had been siphoned off for other purposes. So, you know, can you tell us uh, the history of the Land and Water Conservation Fund and how it came to be that the funding got diverted for other purposes? Sure. 
Um, well, the Land Water Conservation Fund has been around for more than half a century, um, and it was conceived as a way to um, offset energy development happening offshore and provide a permanent funding stream for, for conservation and recreation infrastructure across the country. So $900 million a year is set aside from the public's profits from energy development offshore, not taxpayer dollars. Um, and that's intended to go to a wide variety of diverse projects and, and grants that do conservation and protection around the national parks, national forests and wildlife refuges, also state and local parks, working forests, um, battlefield protection, just a wide variety of different grants and, and tools that, that states and federal agencies can use for whatever needs a community might have. So it's been tremendously successful, despite the fact that more than half of the funding on an annual basis has been diverted to other purposes. So that $900 million a year was set aside every year, but then when Congress went to appropriate the money um, and direct it to projects and grants, they took more than half of it away um, and diverted it to other things. So Congress has an infinite number of priorities. So this kind of stuff happens a lot, but we have been working pretty diligently since this money has a specific funding source and a specific purpose to make sure it was actually dedicated to that purpose. And that's, that's the victory that was, uh, that was finally achieved in August. Well, you said it took about 10 years and you said you worked in a coalition. So, you know, tell us about some of the players that were involved that helped y'all get to uh, where you wanted to get to with this uh, Great American Outdoors Act. And, uh, you know, also share with us why it took so many years to, to get into place. Sure. So a, a lot of folks have been working on this for much longer than 10 years. And there were a couple of near misses in the late 90s and then in 2010 of getting this done. Um, and after that, the last near miss, it was kind of thought that uh, a coordinated campaign should be put into place to keep folks focused on this all the time um, and really unite all of the very diverse and disparate stakeholders who care about this across the country. So there are groups that um, are leaders within the LWCF coalition, like the Appalachian Mountain Club, the Trust for Public Land, the Nature Conservancy, the Wilderness Society, um, Sierra Club, many others. And what we do is work to unite all of the smaller folks who are all over the country, from local land trusts to outdoor recreation industry folks to tourism businesses to veterans, hunting and fishing advocates, timber companies, mayors, tourism and economic development boards, clean water advocates, recreationists of all stripes, you know, from motorized folks on, on snowmobiles and in RVs to paddlers and hikers who, who really appreciate the wilderness. So uh, what we have done is work together to really bring all those voices, um, you know, each with their own distinct personality, but kind of singing from the same hymn book uh, and talking to members of Congress about the just myriad benefits that this program brings to communities across the country. It's been really, really important to educate folks about what this program actually does because it's it's really obscure and it's big. It's got something for everyone. So connecting the dots between the type of project that you're working on, that your community needs, or the place that you love um, with this kind of wonky, obscure program and then with legislation that needs to pass in Washington, D.C., that's been the core of our, our work and why we are ultimately successful. 
When, as I understand it, uh, when the Great American Outdoors Act was signed into place, uh, you all are to uh, receive some, I guess it's a sort of back funding, uh, additional funds to help you get started on some of those backlog projects that you weren't able to get to. So how much was that and uh, what kind of uh, projects are you going to immediately start working on? So actually, uh, I think the backlog that you're referring to, there, there were actually two parts of the Great American Outdoors Act. One was full permanent funding of LWCF, which is from now forward. And there was actually another piece of the bill um, that was a separate piece of legislation. They were combined into one that helps address the deferred maintenance backlog on the national parks and national forests and other public lands that has been building up for many years. So actually, there's this infusion of investment on the maintenance side to help catch up with that backlog. There's also a backlog of conservation and recreation needs on the LWCF side, but we are just thrilled to have the $900 million a year going forward. Um, Having that, you know, the certainty of that and the consistency of that is really going to help folks use the funds more efficiently and help communities do the kind of long-term planning that can address, you know, their needs now and into the future. I've been curious about something. So, you know, I'm familiar with what state and local parks are, but I've always wondered, you know, what's the difference between national parks, national wilderness, and national monuments? Um, So monuments are kind of a catch-all, but I will say, you know, national parks tend to have more visitor amenities, whereas, you know, national forests and some BLM lands are more, have more backcountry. So, you know, national parks are really huge for tourism, whereas national forests and BLM lands, I've found in my experience, tend to be more important to our partners in the hunting and fishing community. And there's, you know, Civil War battlefields that are really terribly important in the East. Um, And then there are, you know, the, the national long distance trails that are, you know, not just the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail, but there's national trails across the country. Um, that retrace, you know, Lewis and Clark or go across the entire upper Midwest or across the entire state of Florida or Arizona. There's just so much out there to discover any kind of recreation that you care, you know, that you like and that you want to participate in. There's something really for everybody. Well, last question for you. So uh, what are some of the more, uh, I guess, more exciting projects in some of the more widely known areas that you'll be working on very shortly? Well, there are really exciting projects moving forward, um, and we're excited that the, you know, basically the funding stream is going to double, so more of those projects can get done. There's more work to do along the Pacific Trust Trail in Northern California, along Trinity Divide. There have been a couple of projects in the past couple of years up there, protecting 30 miles of that of the trail, but there's more work to do there. Little Castle Lake and the Shasta Trinity National Forest is one project that is in the pipeline. There are projects in the pipeline in San Diego National Wildlife Refuge and the Santa Monica Mountains. Out east, you know, in Tennessee and North Carolina, there's still pieces of the Appalachian Trail that need to be protected. I was recently looking at a project um, in South Carolina, uh, the Forks Area Trail System, which would add a track to expand this really beloved mountain biking trail, receives heavy use out of um, the Aiken and Augusta metropolitan area. So, you know, there's just really so much need all across the country for both the national parks side of things, but also that state and local parks side of things where, you know, this is really a program that takes things from the ground up and unites 
local communities and stakeholders around around these projects and celebrates our history and also just celebrates kind of the healing power of the outdoors and the economic power of the outdoors, frankly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And also we'll cite our sources for this episode so you can read for yourself on our website at legaltalknetwork.com. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.